Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. We're into the conference championship games of the NFL playoffs after a batch of exciting games in the divisional round. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. Two-time. What's up, Marky Mark? Well, we got some football to talk about, whether it's college or NFL. Let's get this going. Lots and lots of action to get to. We're going to start today's show a little bit differently than we normally do. We're not going to start with the big takeaway, and that's because, Ike, your head coach, Bill Cower, he will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It was announced live on CBS's broadcast. It was a great moment. They did the same thing for Jimmy Johnson over on Fox. But Ike, Cower was your coach for the first four years that you played for the Steelers. What a great moment. But, you know, what will you remember most about playing for Coach Cower? Oh, man, a real, a real live players coach. Um, now, if you ask the coaches, he was tough on his coaches. He was hard on his coaches. But far as, like, actually playing for Coach Cower, he was probably, other than Coach Tomlin, the ultimate players coach. He let men be men on the field. If you had anything to settle, if you was beefing with anybody, you settled that on the field. You settled that on the field. Uh, he was real big in the goal line. He was real big in the physicality. He was real big into don't worry about how we get to the game and what we're wearing. We're going to smash. We're going to be a smash mouth team. See, Coach Kyle wasn't into this. Oh, you got to wear a suit and you got to look presentable. He didn't care. <laughs> he was like, we come here to play football and kick ass. We ain't worried about what we wear to the game. So you had some guys wearing pajamas. You had some guys wearing, you know, some guys wore suits. Some guys wore college shirts. You had just a mixture of guys wearing different things. But Coach Coward gave you that option. So you felt like the only thing you could do in return for him is to play hard. If he's been that lean one as a coach, and letting you just be yourself and letting you just being comfortable going to the game, I might as well give him everything I had. So that's one of the most important pieces or most important parts I liked about Coach Kyle. He just allowed you to be you. Now, on the flip side, because Coach Kyle played special teams, that's what he really harped on of his team. If you lacked on special teams, you can play 60 plays on offense and defense. Give some kind of lack on the special teams, and they ain't number 10 plays. You're getting called out in front of everybody, from the coaches to your peers. So we had good special teams, man, good special teams for the majority of my career when he was coaching for me because Coach Cowan didn't play. He took pride. He took heart <laughs> in special teams. I remember me and Chris Hope. Troy and a few other guys will be looking on the bench during the game, Mark, and was like, did you mess up on this kickoff? I don't think I mess up. You sure you ain't mess up? Yeah, I'm sure. Because you know that Monday morning meeting, that thing, that thing gonna be, that he gonna call us out. I don't think, I don't think, I, did you get L5? Yeah, I got L5, you get L3? Yeah, I got L3. Oh, we should be good then. Yeah, we should be good. Did the play come our way? No, I went the other way. Oh, okay. Whew. Boy, you know, Coach Kyle on Monday, special team meetings. 
that's how it was. So, but just overall, the general remark, just to answer your, your uh, question, man, Coach Kyle, man, the ultimate team, team coach. And so that was in front of the entire team that they would have, they would call you out. Monday mornings, the first thing he putting on is special teams, kickoff. That's the first thing he putting on, kickoff. He going to put kickoff on there. He going to run all, all the players on kickoff, and he going to have something to say about each individual guy. And, Ike, we've talked a lot about how fortunate you were playing for such a prestigious franchise like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Could you just elaborate a little bit on how fortunate you were to play for Coach Cower, you know, now going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and then Mike Tomlin as well, likely a future Hall of Fame coach in his own right, playing for potentially two Hall of Fame coaches. Just how fortunate that was for you in your career. I mean, hell, I played for a Hall of Fame owner. You know? <laughs> so it's let's let's start let's start up top. I played for a Hall of Fame owner. Um Papa Rooney. Everybody know him as Dan Rooney. I was a pallbearer. So you can go down the list and, and you can and you can Google this right now. If you want to, Marky Mark, you can go down the list of all the Hall of Famers. I saw all the Hall of Famers at the funeral. I was sitting with the family. So our relationship was very different, unique, and special for me to Pawpaw, but everything started with him because he grew up around football, meaning with his dad, Mr. Art, he traveled with the football players. He told me on many occasions some of the some of the players helped him read or write on train games when they had to travel. Like he expressed that. So of course, when he becomes the owner, he understands the players. It's all about the players first. It's always an open door policy. That tradition just goes down and down. He passed that along to his son. Now his sons, Mr. Art, I mean Art, his son's son. So it's just, it's just down the drain when it comes down to where it starts at and it starts at the top. So I play for a Hall of Fame owner. I play for a Hall of Fame coach, and more than likely, if Coach T keep doing what he's doing for the next five years, I'll be playing for two Hall of Fame coaches and a Hall of Fame owner. And the one thing they always preach is stability. So while all these teams keep transferring and keep changing coaches every three, four years, the Roonies and everybody who work with the Roonies are understanding and be like, you know, every year ain't going to be the same, but one thing for sure, two things for certain, if you're going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, you're going to have some kind of stability. Now, as a coach, you can coach and you can be the best coach you want because you know you have stability, and that's coming from the owner and up top. The Rooney is deciding to hire both Cower and Coach Tomlin when both of them were in their mid-30s. Both were young men. Both were younger than some of the players on the team, too. But you cannot question the success that both coaches have had. And Bill Cower, I mean... By the time he stepped down in 2006, he had accumulated 149 regular season wins, 12 playoff wins, nine seasons with at least 10 wins, 10 playoff seasons, and a Super Bowl victory as well. Just a tremendous, remarkable career. And he's gone on to be an excellent analyst as well for CBS. I'm from the area, and I coach the team that I grew up watching. Like, Coach Kyle was from the Pittsburgh area, you know, in the heart of Pittsburgh. So not only I'm from there, but I'm the head coach 
of an organization who have won Super Bowls before me. Now let me try to get one for the city. How cool is that? So I coach. I mean, I'm from there. I get I don't get drafted, but but I become a special teamsman for a year or two. I go to Cleveland, coach, being a special teams coach. I come back, get a head coaching job of a team I've watched in my city since I was small and won a Super Bowl. How cool is that? How cool is that? And I wind up going to the Hall of Fame under the city that I grew up in, was born and raised in. How cool is that, man? I want to say one other thing, too. I thought he was so gracious when they announced it live on the air. I hope they continue that as a tradition, just to see that moment was so organic. But he immediately talked about how the other coaches that were up for consideration also were deserving. And he talked about what a team game it was and how when people come together collectively, it's incredible what they can accomplish together versus trying to do things individually. That really resonated with me, and I think that resonates with people even outside of football. Yeah, it was all family. Like, like I said, man, we competed. I'm listening to, to Ryan Clark on TV, and, you know, of course, that's a guy who played with me, and he talks about it all the time. Man, we competed. We, we, I'm talking about we competed to the point where sometimes we fought each other off the field. We was competitive about everything, whether it's playing FIFA in the dorm room, whether it's flipping a coin to the edge of the corner, whether it's playing cards. We competed at everything. It wasn't nothing we didn't compete at, whether it's drinking a bottle of water the fastest, whether it's <laughs> who can eat the biggest steak the fat. We competed. We competed <laughs> at everything, Mark. And it just carried over to the field and just created a bond. like. When you compete at everything, you kind of weave the non-alphas out. So now you're just always around alpha males, you know? Because in a football locker room, every male ain't going to be an alpha male. It's going to be an alpha environment, and most of the alphas going to try to get some kind of alpha out of you, but it's not going to be an alpha in every locker room. We damn near tried to weave every non-alpha out that locker room and really, Coach Coach Coward didn't have to say too much. As, as as strict as he as he was, and how much we respected him, he understood at the same time as a coach. Okay, I got a lot of alphas in this locker room, and he used to always talk about, and we used to always talk about policing ourselves, not letting the coach have to say anything outside of football. And that's what we did a good job of. But it started with Coach Coward. I don't know if this is related at all. You mentioned who could eat the biggest steak. Is there is there a story there? Yeah, the, man, you know the offensive and defense alignment, man, and when they get to compete, man, them, you, you, you go to Morton's or you go to Eddie V's and you drop the biggest steak. I used to call it a Flintstone steak, a born and rubble steak, because, you know, the Flintstones, they throw back all – everything was big for the Flintstones. So I couldn't eat that at the time. But at the same time, man, it's just those guys just competing. Like, how the hell you compete? on eating a steak that fast. Like, y'all, sickening. But that's what them big guys, first of all, that's what them big guys like to do, eat. Second of all, what them big, what, what them big guys like to eat is a steak. And I call that a Flintstone steak. Got named 72 
72 ounce ribeye with that that big ass bone, man. That bone looked so big, I thought that thing was prehistoric. Mark it, Mark. <laughs> you say 72 ounces? That's just a figure of speech. <laughs> That's just a figure of speech. Okay. Ike, is there anything else you want to discuss regarding Coach Cowers' induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Just congrats to Coach Cowers, man. It's, I feel good. I feel cool to say I played for a Hall of Fame. Coach, I lied. Dang, God has been good to me. Mr. Rooney, Hall of Fame. Coach Dick LeBeau, Hall of Fame. Coach Cowers, Hall of Fame. So I've been graced to be surrounded by three Hall of Famers that coached and showed me the way. And like you say, if Coach Tomlin, if he keeps on his road because he haven't had a losing season, if he keep doing what he's doing, then we, we shall see. But three coaches, I mean, two coaches and the owner, that's saying a lot. Changing gears here a little bit. LSU beat Clemson in the national championship last night. Ike, I know you're from Louisiana, but LSU pulls off the perfect season, 15-0. and Joe Burrow with perhaps the greatest single season a quarterback has had in college football history. He threw for 60 touchdown passes this year. That's averaging four a game, and it's not like he's going up against smaller schools. LSU beat five of the final eight top teams in college football, seven of the top ten, and it was an incredible season. Ike, this is just my opinion, and I know we disagree a little bit here. No disrespect to Chase Young or any of the other draft prospects. If the Bengals don't take Joe Burrow number one overall, they should be relegated to the CFL. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard for me to disagree with you with that on that situation. But I wouldn't be surprised if they do pick Chase on the defensive side because by the end of the day, we're starting to see week after week when it comes down to the playoffs, defense win championships. Quarterbacks, are, they'll get you the regular season stats. Are, the quarterbacks, they'll help out as far as like getting the seating done and it comes to the playoffs. But other than the KC game, it's been a low scoring, you only get a few possessions kind of playoffs. So I'm just looking at it from a playoff standpoint and I'm looking at how the San Francisco 49ers in the past three years have went down their first round on D-line. So I'm looking at their recipe and John Lynch, the GM, and how he's drafting guys. Okay, now we get us a nice stout defense. Let me get two good running backs and a free agent quarterback. So I don't know if the GM from the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't know if he's thinking like a Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, or a Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch type. So I would rather go to John Lynch type. So for me, if I was a draft, as much as I love Burrow, undefeated season, beating seven teams that was in the top 10, beating four teams that was in the top five, and going out the way he did, and beating Clemson, because we all know when Clemson usually get national championships, they usually put the hammer down on people. But LSU returned the favor, and they put the hammer down on Clemson. Now, for me, it's a 
you can't lose whether you get Chase or Joe. It's just how you want to start your team. Do I want to go in free agency in the offseason and give me somebody from the Cincinnati Bengals and give me a quarterback? Or do I want to go defense in the draft? So between those two, I feel like you can't lose. But for me, I'm getting Chase. It is a win-win, I'll say this. And Andy Dalton is under contract for another season. So if they do draft Burrow, you'd imagine that they would probably want to move on from Dalton and trade him, but he's still under contract. I, I just think after having the greatest single season a college quarterback has ever had, and you're going up against the best defenses too. It's not like he's doing this at a smaller school against lesser competition. I mean, you go back to a guy like Cam Newton when he ran the table at Auburn. I've never seen a quarterback play like Burrow did this season. And I'm not going to run you through all of the stats, but 60 touchdowns in 15 games, you're averaging, averaging four touchdowns a game. It, it, it's incredible. It's incredible. But the Bengals need all the help they can get, though. They need all the help they can get. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow, he's athletically-wise, he's a mixture between Tom Brady and, and Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's athletic enough to move like Patrick Mahomes, but he sits in the pocket like a Tom Brady. As fans, I think people are really looking at his stats, and his stats are really impressive. As a player, I'm looking at going against him. He makes every NFL throw. He's super accurate. He throws his receivers open. We talk about this all the time. Great quarterbacks throw receivers open. They pinpoint receivers not to get hit when they're going across the middle. Uh, back shoulders if a DB is on top. Top shoulder if a DB is at the bottom. Can he get the ball from one hand to the opposite side of the numbers? So he did that on the touchdown last night. So he checks off when it comes to throwing the ball he checks everything off everything off so every time I watch him I say that's the NFL throw he didn't throw him open every time I every time a touchdown is is caught by a receiver and we can't take nothing away from his receivers because by the end of the day the next three years all his receivers probably go first round but at the same time his receivers say Burrow give me a chance and Burrow say <laughs> I'm going to drop it in the bucket. So not too many quarterbacks can say that. We're getting into a generation now, Mark, where we see the guards is changing to a lot of running quarterbacks now, athletic quarterbacks. This guy can do it all. This, this, this guy, this Joe Burrow can do it all from a quarterback, from a defender, playing cornerback all these years. He's a guy that can throw every pass, and he's that accurate. The accuracy, 76.3% completion percentage this year. Before we move on, Ike, I want to say one other thing. I hope this is not the last time we see Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence go head-to-head. -head. Trevor Lawrence still has another season to play at Clemson, and he's being considered as the top overall pick in next year's draft in 2021. I hope it's not the last time we see these two quarterbacks go head to head. No, I don't think so. He, he's, I mean, Trevor, I've been like a Trevor since last year, since he was a freshman, since, since the last bowl game, 
him, him and Joe Burrow, two guys, nothing bothers them. The moment, for me, the moment doesn't bother them. But on the flip side, for quarterback IQ, and to see Joe Burrow look off safeties, to see Joe Burrow automatically know the mismatch whether I'm in two by two, two by two meaning two receivers on both my side, to see the mismatch in the slot, whether I check to an empty, empty meaning I'm going to have the running back come outside. If a cornerback goes with the running back, they're in zone. If a linebacker comes out the box with the running back, they're in man. To see him check that, and to do that every single play, that's NFL IQ. So, yeah, I'm, the talent-wise, I like Trevor, but, you know, talent ain't never pay a bill. Potential ain't never pay a bill. I need a guy who's ready right now, and I think who's going to be ready for the next 10 to 15 years. I'm taking Joe Burrow, not taking nothing away from Trevor. I think Trevor is 25-1. and one. A starter, a starter now. He's twenty-five and one, super impressive. Can't take nothing away from the little man. Uh, I ain't gonna say the sky's the limit because he ain't got no sky right now. It's Wi-Fi. But at the same time, <laughs> just to see what Joe Burrow has done, just to see Joe Burrow look off, make checks, understand defenses, know where you know where your weakness is. Every snap, that's impressive because by the end of the day. If anything else fails, you can run with Trevor Lawrence. Joe Barrow has to beat you with his arm. And they started off slow in the first quarter. Clemson had a nice game plan. But after Joe Barrow sunk in and started dissecting what the hell they were doing, it was a wrap. It was a wrap. And that's what NFL quarterbacks have to do. Don't get me wrong. They got a hell of an OC that came from New Orleans. Please don't get me wrong. And you can tell he's been working with Joe Burrow as far as reading the safeties, what's your hot, and everybody has been on the same page. But Joe Burrow is doing what NFL quarterbacks can't do consistent, and that's dissecting a defense and damn near making the right play or throwing the right pass every time. Like you say, 70-some percent accuracy, that's very impressive. And we'll see how the Bengals decide to upgrade, whether they decide to draft Burrow or go after Ohio State's Chase Young. We'll see how the Bengals decide to upgrade and then see how the rest of the AFC North fares, you know, the Steelers, the Browns, and the Ravens. Ike, let's go to the big takeaway from the divisional round weekend. Four matchups, four exciting games. I thought it was just as exciting as wildcard weekend. What was your big takeaway from this last weekend's NFL action. Just talking about Tennessee and yeah, saying what saying what the hell they doing, Mark. Mark, we need we need to get we need to get these clips back going that we talk about three weeks before everybody else. Ike, I'll say it for you. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm going to say this for you because you're very very humble. If you go back and listen to last week's show, you called it. You called it outright. You said the Titans are going to win this game. I said that the Titans would cover, which they did. You called, if you go back and listen to the last week's show, you straight up called, you said the Titans are going to beat the Ravens in this game. But we, we went deeper into that, Mark. We said the Titans was going to beat the Ravens. This is what the Titans was going to do. This is what Coach Mike Vrabel was going to do. Mike Vrabel was going to make Lamar Jackson throw outside the numbers. 
He was going to clog the middle because he knows that the Ravens like to use their tight ends and them, them are easier throws going across the middle. Them are shorter throws going across the middle. We said three weeks was too long. I said, I can't get mad because they're able to take three weeks off. And I'm talking about Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson, I think, offensive lineman. I said, I can't be mad they got three weeks off. I said, I'm just not sure, and he's just not proven to me. He's not a Tom Brady-ish. Well, I know what I'm getting myself into because they didn't have bye weeks year in and year out. They dare you to come into Gillette Stadium for the playoffs. They've proven that. But for me, I've been looking at teams get in a rhythm going into the playoffs. So it's hard to translate practice from a game. See, Tennessee always been in the game mode, I feel like. To be two weeks off between some of the starters for the Ravens, that's three weeks off from a game mode. That's hard to reset and recharge your battery and think you're going to come out on fire. We call this, too, them coming out being rusty. Receivers dropping balls. To Lamar Jackson being inaccurate when it came down and threw a few balls. So we called it. But at the same time, I just felt like, even though the Ravens did have a run game, they have never met a guy like King Henry. That's what they call him over there in Tennessee. They call him King Henry. They haven't met a guy like King Henry ever. That's the commitment. We know we knew the Ravens liked to run the ball, but we also, but we also knew the Tennessee Titans had that same personality with a better defense. With a better defense. And I've said time in and time out, between Humphreys, between Peters. I like them covering. But I like the Tennessee Titan cornerbacks hitting. And in the playoffs, we saw this with the Saints in Tennessee, what they did. Toss sweeps, me with the Minnesota Vikings and the Saints, what the Minnesota Vikings did. They toss swept. And when you toss sweep, instantly my mind goes into they trying to expose the corners because the corners don't want to tackle. Same thing with the Ravens. They didn't toss sweep. But they ran between the edges, and what that's letting me know, if I get on the edge, I got to make this cornerback either make an executive decision of tackling me or holding on to the receiver so he don't have to tackle me. That's what they did. One of the Ravens' keys this season was starting fast. They had the largest point differential in the first quarter of any NFL team. Titans outscored the Ravens 7 to nothing in the first quarter of this game. So that just goes further into your point about how starting slow with the three weeks off that many of their starters had, and it showed, and getting out to that early lead is so important for Lamar Jackson. No, it's, it's important for the defense. So now my, if I'm always in the lead, teams are always catching up. If teams are always catching up, they're passing. If they're passing, I can always pin my ears back as a defensive play caller, and I can be aggressive. Now. When I'm not up, I have to be conservative. Now I'm on the opposing team's offense time. So now I'm on borrowed time. And, and we said this was going to be like an eight-possession game. It wasn't going to be too many possessions in this game because Tennessee Titans was going to control that clock. That's exactly what they did. But to your point on the Ravens usually starting off fast in the first quarter, they didn't have the luxury this game the last time they did they lost to cleveland really early in the season yeah so that was the formula we scored before the ravens 
we got a shot because that forces the offensive coordinator to do something they usually doing and the defensive coordinator to be at our mercy. And so what happens when the Ravens go down by double digits? They lost all three times this season when they trailed by more than a touchdown. And that's what happened. And Derrick Henry, his performance is historic. He's been the best player this postseason so far. 30 carries, 195 yards rushing. He became the first player in NFL history with at least 180 rushing yards in three consecutive games. If the Titans are going to keep it going, if the Titans are going to beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, Henry has to continue with his historic performance. I can see the Titans beating KC. As as impressive as that down 24-0 comeback KC over the Houston Texans was, the Titans just have that recipe, Mark, and the recipe is King Henry. And we're not giving their defense enough credit. I don't know what uh, opposing teams are averaging against the Tennessee Titans, but we're not, give, we're not giving their defense enough credit to hold Lamar Jackson and company in check, to go into a Gillette Stadium and hold Tom Brady and company in check. You're talking about, you're saying before all this, the Patriots are playing the Ravens in the AFC Championship. That's what you're saying before all this played out. If we just guessing, if we just betting, we're saying, of course, Tennessee is not going into Gillette Stadium and winning. Okay, they wind up getting lucky. Of course, those guys having three weeks and they're well-rested, they're not going to Baltimore and beating Baltimore off the historic season, regular season, Lamar Jackson. Of course, they're not doing that. But they got the playoff recipe. And sooner or later, we got to start talking about their defense as, as his historically, as King Henry is acting the way he's acting, he's cutting up. As, as somebody in New Orleans would say, as my auntie would say, as my uncle would say in New Orleans, man, he cutting up. Cutting up, man, he, he balling. Right now, King Henry is cutting up right now. So as much as we're saying it about him, the defense on the flip side has causing, creating turnovers, coming downhill, laying the wood. So I can see them doing the same in KC. I can see them going to KC and controlling the clock, letting Patrick Mahomes sit on the sideline and watch King Henry run the ball. Well, I think that's going to be the key is that the Titans' best defense will be their offense in controlling the running game. I have two stats about the Titans' defense. The Ravens converted all eight of their fourth in one attempts in the regular season. They were 0-2 in the same situation against the Titans. And the Titans won only allowing 12 points despite giving up 530 yards. 530 total yards for the Ravens, 300 for the Titans. That's the worst yard differential in a win in NFL postseason history as well. So a lot of those yards were given garbage, garbage time. Yes, yeah. yes. But only allowing 12 points with how good this Ravens offense was this season. Incredible job by the Titans. Yeah, the Titans right now, they defense, they cutting up too. So everybody on that hole, and you can just tell they just took on the personality of Coach Mike Vrabel. You, you, you can just tell that team is his personality. You know, he was a linebacker. Uh, he was a hard nose. 
He wasn't dirty, but he played through the whistle. And that's exactly how his team is playing. <laughs> like, King Henry is running through the whistle. Tannehill only threw, what, 80, 83, 93 yards? He so had you, 88 yards passing. Yeah, so you come, you coming out of <laughs> – you want to talk about controlling the clock. <laughs> you coming out of stadium just on 88 yards. No turnovers. Check downs, getting first downs. Handing the ball off. Right now, Tannehill got an easy job as a quarterback. I just need to hand the ball off. That's all I need to do. I just need to hand the ball off 30 times. Don't fumble. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's all I need to do. But, yeah, man, they, Tennessee reminds me of us in 2005. That's why I'm talking. Like, I've seen this, befo- I've seen this team before. We had to go back. We had to go in Denver when they had Jake Plummer. We had to go to the Colts with Peyton Manning and company. No, I'm sorry. I lied. We had to go to Cincinnati, RIP Chris Henry, with Carson Palmer. We had to go to Cincinnati and win on the road. Then we had to go to Denver on the road. Then we had to go to the Colts on the road. Then we had to beat Seattle in Detroit. Top five offenses that we had to go through. Nobody gave us a chance. <laughs> Same thing the Titans doing. Titans on the road, Gillette Stadium, W. On the road, Ravens, W. On the road, KC, I think, W. Now we will see after the KC game if they win or not. But if they if they somehow, some way get past KC, I seen this before. Chiefs are a seven and a half point favorite, but it's like, what does that mean? Because the Titans were double digit underdogs against both the Patriots and against the Ravens. I, I, I do want to talk a bit about the Chiefs Texans game. And in that first half, I cannot remember a more chaotic special teams scenario. There were like five plays from a special teams standpoint. That changed the momentum of the game. So you had the blocked punt where Lonnie Johnson Jr. of the Texans recovered it and ran it in. You had the fumbled punt return by Tyree Kill, who he has experience returning punts, but he's not the team's punt returner. That's McCall Hardman. So after the Texans decided to kick a field goal in the red zone, it was a fourth and one. Bill O'Brien took a timeout, kicked the field goal to go up 24 to nothing. McCole Hardman had a 58-yard kickoff return that really finally sparked the Chiefs. And I think that was a huge play in terms of momentum because the Chiefs weren't doing anything to that point in the game. And then possibly the most boneheaded decision by Bill O'Brien to go for the fake punt when you're up 17 points and you're in your own territory. That's going to be my bad call for the week. But then the Chiefs also had a fumble recovery on a kickoff return. So that's five plays, special team plays in one half that really changed this game. I grew up watching Devin Hester in Chicago where you never knew what was going to happen when you kicked the ball to him. But I can't recall watching a game where there were this many special teams plays that really changed this game. And so Early on, it looked like, wow, can you really even blame this game on Andy Reid and the struggles he's had in the playoffs just because a blocked punt, a a fumble, a a botched punt return recovery by Tyreek Hill. I mean, those are physical errors, but those could literally happen to anyone. But 
the decision by Bill O'Brien to go for it up 17 on the fake punt. I did not get it. I, I did not get it. And it that to me changed the momentum of that game drastically. You up 24-0 in the hostile environment, which is rare. Ain't nobody ever seen KC down 24-0. Honestly, I've never seen anybody come back from a 24 deficit. And then win by 20. Just to see the coaching part. And for me, I always say this. Sometimes the stage be too big for coaches. I would have ran the ball. If I'm up 24-0, I'm running the ball. When I need to pass, I'm passing. But that's one thing I like seeing Patrick Mahomes doing if I'm playing against him, him sitting on the sideline. And in order for him to sit on the sidelines, I'm running the ball. Now you got a quarterback who's able to run the ball. You got two running backs. You got a wide receiver that you got to always find out where he's at. For you not to use them three, DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Washington, your running back, and your quarterback could be a running back. I'm running the ball. There's no way I want to see and give Patrick Mahomes as many opportunities as he's had in the game and capitalize. I mean, the next seven possessions, Patrick Mahomes just was on fire. And I, and I always say this, and I just said it, sometimes, you know, from a coach's standpoint, sometimes the stage is just too big for coaches. Like, go to, to go for a fake punt on a fourth and four, I feel like that didn't make any sense. You go out on punt the ball, you put it deep into their ter- territory, now you make them earn, you, or you will make them have to earn going 80-some yards, 78 yards. But now you just give them a short field for their yards. You know, that's easy for Patrick Mahomes. That's how I look at it. Now, on the flip side, to see what Patrick Mahomes did, and I like to say this, we always talk about trucks and trailers when it comes down to the quarterback position. As good as Tom Brady is, as good as Drew Brees is, as, as good as Russell Wilson is, and we like to call them trucks because they usually carry the, their teams. Everybody else falls in line as a trailer. Um, as good as I like Jimmy Garoppolo, he's a trailer. He needs a good defense. He needs a running game. If I ask him to throw the ball 49 times, I don't think he can do it. That's just my opinion. If I ask Aaron Rodgers, if I ask Drew Brees, if I ask Tom Brady, who was in his prime, and now Patrick Mahomes to throw 49 times, I, they're going to carry that team over 16 games, period. Of course, if, if I ask you to throw the ball that many times, it's going to be one or two games where we're going to lose. I get it. That just comes with the territory. But to see Patrick Mahomes rally his team down from 24 and to win by 20, I'm down 24 and I won by 20. So I'm not just kicking field goals. I'm sixing. Touchdown here, touchdown here, touchdown here, touchdown here, touchdown here, touchdown here. Like every time you see me get the ball, you might as well go out on deposit that money in the bank. Get six. Six figures every time. I have never seen nothing like it, Mark. I have never seen nothing like it. And fans and players understand, but fans always, my homeboy said he left the house when it was 24-0. He said, oh, Houston got it. I text him. I say, bro, the game ain't over with. I say, football is always ebb and flow. I say, it ain't over till it's over. 
It ain't over till it's over. And and I'm and I know who I'm dealing with, a Patrick Mahomes. To see them guys come from 24 in the playoffs, that's why we call them guys trucks, because they carry the team. And it, it's not too many. It, and a lot of people like to call these quarterback trucks because of off of what they got paid. You can't knock a player or you can't call a player a high caliber player off of what he got paid. He just got lucky at the right time. Can't take nothing away from him. Kirk Cousin, he's a trailer. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's a trailer. Dak Prescott, he's a trailer. Like, other than Russell, you you only gonna name five or six trucks. Everybody else trailers. They need help. Cause these trucks have proven over the course of their career, give me the ball, I'm gonna make it happen in clutch situations, time in and time out. You put that so simply when you're evaluating quarterbacks. And I certainly understand Bill O'Brien wanting to put up more points because he knew how potent the Chiefs offense was. But the Texans were running the ball against Kansas City 21 times for 94 yards. That's four and a half yards a carry. And they got away from that. And so if you're going to kick a field goal, it's fourth and inches at the 11. You could go in and nearly score. If you're going to decide to call a timeout and then kick a field goal, you can't then also say, I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a fake punt when you're, when you're still up 17. If your mentality is to go for it, great. Be aggressive. If that's your coaching mentality, it's something we saw with the Ravens this year where they went for it a lot on fourth and short scenarios because of how effectively they ran the ball. But you can't not go for it on fourth and inches and then say, oh, we're going to do this fake punt, which what does that accomplish? Because you're still in your own territory at best at, at midfield. And so that was why that decision just made no sense to me. Again, I can understand how you knew the Chiefs offense was going to wake up at some point with what Patrick Mahomes did, but you can't do one and then do the other. It just, it doesn't make any, that made no sense to me. Even if they convert in that scenario with the fake punt, what does it accomplish? See, I'm not, I'm not buying to putting up the more points. They spotted us 24 points already. And you just said something very important, Mark. You're averaging 4.4 yards a carry when you ran the ball. So that means you can control the clock. So as potent as you think their offense is, if you just want to go my quarterback better than your quarterback, you're going to lose every time if you're talking about Patrick Mahomes. You're just going to lose, homie, because he got too many. He got too many Ferraris and Lambos from that backfield to the outside on that perimeter. He got too many of them on that field. So you always lose. You're going to give yourself a chance or win when you just hand the ball off and control the clock. So basically, you damn near getting half of a first down on 4.4 yards per tote. You know, to go to have 93 yards in the first half, in the first half, you can even control the clock more in the second half. So now you're going to get Patrick Mahomes and company really reaching, you know, taking shots they shouldn't take. But to try to win this, my quarterback better than your quarterback, <laughs> that's why Beast Mode was mad when they played the Patriots. Because Seattle wanted to get into with the with Tom Brady and company, my quarterback better than your quarterback, instead of running the ball. Atlanta versus the Patriots. 
Atlanta wanted to get into my quarterback better than your quarterback in the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady was like, man, we've been here before. Hey, uh, the Falcons, what y'all did to us in the first half, which was run the ball very effectively and well, we're going to do that to y'all in the second half because we're going to understand your OC going to be like, my quarterback is better than your quarterback. It don't work like that. Teams who win Super Bowl, they win, they understand how important running the ball is. Now, when you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes, it's hard because he has the right pieces around him to be able to throw the ball. You know, Harmon, 4-3. Cheetah, 4-3. Uh, running back, 4-3. Sammy Watkins, 4-4. And Travis Kelsey, too, a matchup nightmare. But the receivers around him make him a matchup nightmare. If you take all three of them off and just let it be Travis Kelsey, it'll be hard. Or take two of them off. It'll be hard. But for them to clear, clear, for them to clear the stage and you're able to work inside numbers and win these one-on-one matchups, it goes hand-in-hand. And to have a quarterback who can deliver from short to medium to long, that's what Patrick Mahomes do. I mean, I ain't really never seen a quarterback throw so many lookoffs. It's like Magic Johnson throwing assists. He always looking one way but he know exactly where his players are. Patrick Mahomes, this early in his career, this is what exactly what he's doing. He, he's throwing no-look passes, but it's, it just so happened to be football, not basketball. But when you see that getting back to Houston, you can't say, I'm going to let you know my quarterback is better than yours because the pieces for Patrick Mahomes are all there when it comes down to that wide receiving tight end position and running back position. To piggyback off that, Mahomes joined Doug Williams as the only players to throw four touchdown passes in one quarter of postseason football. Also, I do want to give Deshaun Watson a shout out. Here's how good Patrick Mahomes is, right? Watson is the only quarterback in the Super Bowl era to lose a playoff game despite throwing for more than 300 yards, having at least three touchdowns, and having zero giveaways and Kansas City still won the Chiefs at at Arrowhead Field they ran out of fireworks and one other thing too like did you see Eric Fisher's epic touchdown celebration where he paid homage to Stone Cold Steve Austin with the Bud Light beers that was awesome when you in the zone that's how you know your team is is all in sync when the big guys are having fun when the big guy showing their personality, when the big guy showing their personality, that's how you know you're cooking with gas, not electric. When the big guy showing their personality, because big guys always have these weird personalities, or they don't like <laughs> to show their personality. But when the big guys show their personalities, that means they're comfortable in their own skin and letting the world see it. We got to get him a seventy-two ounce steak now, too. One hundred percent. We got to give him that Flintstone, baby. All right, we'll take a quick break here. It's 2020. We're heading into a new year. And for the first time in a long time, the Patriots aren't making the Super Bowl. So who's your pick? Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. Football not your thing? No worries. MyBookie's got it all from the NBA to the Premier League. They've even got odds on the UFC and with everyone's favorite Irish nuisance fighting on the 18th things are bound to get exciting. 
MyBookie has the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. All right, let's go to the NFC. You had the Packers beating the Seahawks and the 49ers taking care of the Vikings. Ike, I want to start with the 49ers. The score didn't really show how dominant San Francisco was in this game. The 49ers only allowed seven first downs in this game. So, like, even when it was 7-7, to I'm like, oh, San Fran's got this. Seven first downs given up. That's the third fewest ever in a playoff game. I thought from start to finish, San Francisco played the best game of any of the teams that played this weekend. San Fran is taking on a general manager personality, and that's John Lynch. If anybody never seen or heard of John Lynch, especially this young generation, YouTube John Lynch, and you see how he played as a safety. So we talked about this early in our show on drafting Burrow or Chase Young. You would take Burrow, so that means for me, you're offensive-minded. I would take Chase because for me, I play defense, and I think defense win championships. To have as many first-rounders on that defense, not even talking about that defensive line, but to have as many first-rounders on that defense, John Lynch knows what it takes to win championships. You draft. Guys who are aggressive, who love adversity, who competes on defense. You get you two running backs who know how to run the ball, zone running with Coach Kyle Shanahan, exotic running with Coach Kyle Shanahan. You get your quarterback who has the personality of this team, a Jim McMahon kind of quarterback. Jim McMahon had a good defense, had a solid run game. I just need to do enough, but don't forget, I have a lot of personality and I think it's all me. That's <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. You get all that combined in one, you have a great opportunity of winning Super Bowls. And San Fran, coming from that NFC side, have a great opportunity to win a few Super Bowls if everybody can stay healthy. So for the most part, we talk about trucks and trailers. It's two trailers that played that game between Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo. But Jimmy Garoppolo have the luxury of a better defense. Jimmy Garoppolo have a better luxury from a fullback to a tight end perspective. Jimmy Garoppolo have a better luxury at the wide receiver position. Jimmy Garoppolo have the luxury of having two good running backs, two good running backs. So him being a trailer and him having the luxury and him not really causing turnovers, and the defense are creating turnovers says a lot. Minnesota also has a good defense. But Minnesota, Minnesota doesn't have Kittles, Juszczyk, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Sanders, a lot of first-rounders on that defense. Richard Sherman sitting on the left side, picking people off. He don't have that luxury. So when I said the trailer, I saw a third and fourth. It was third and four, Kirk Cousins. Kirk could have ran and picked up that four easy. Probably would have got 10. 
But for me, I'm just looking at it. He threw the ball, and from that point on, I said he's too robotic. You got an opening. You can pick up that third and fourth. You can get a first down. You can show your personality after you pick up that third and fourth. And that's going to ignite everybody on that sideline. Because now we're seeing for the playoffs, I'm willing to do any and everything for the team. So I felt like he missed that door for his teammates. San Fran is, and they're gonna take they're gonna take this from him. That's why we gotta start reposting this. San Fran can play whatever ball you want to play. If you want to play finesse, go ask Drew Brees. If you want to play Smash Mouth, ask the Minnesota Vikings. So they're the only team they can be unorthodox if you like boxing or southpaw. Usually teams have a just one personality. San Fran can do it all. They can do it all. In the criticisms of Kirk Cousins, they are warranted. I mentioned these stats last week. I'm going to run through them really quickly again. He's one of two in the playoffs. Kirk Cousins' record against winning football teams is 7-31. and 31. So it's not like we're just making this up. He plays well against inferior competition against the worst teams, but when push comes to shove and you've got to play the best of the best, you've got to be able to come and play. And when you only get seven first downs from an offensive standpoint, it's awfully hard to win. So, okay, maybe that's not all on Minnesota's offense. Credit San Francisco's defense and the return of several key starters, too, from a defensive standpoint. D. Ford and Quan Alexander both returned in this game. And again, even when the score was 7-7, seven to seven, and I get it, the 49ers are at home. The home field advantage certainly helps. But this game was never in doubt to me. And it was one of those games, 27-10, to 10, where the final score didn't really indicate to me how dominant the 49ers were in this game. Don't forget, they can run the ball whenever they want to. And they have a luxury of having two running backs between Coleman and Comforter. Coleman had 105 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, so don't. And what I like about Kittles, for, to me, Kittles is the best all-around tight end. Because as big and as athletic Travis Kelsey is, Kittles is more smash mouth. He doesn't mind blocking. He wants to block. I don't know if Travis Kelsey really wants to block. As far as like catching passes, you know, is it, and it really ain't nobody like Travis Kelsey. But I can't take nothing away from Kittles. Kittles, if Kyle Shanahan be like, Kittles, I need you blocking this game. Kittles going to tell him 10 4. I got you. And be good at it. And he has this refusal to be tackled, too. He, he plays angry. He, play, he plays. He, he reminds me of Heath Miller. We had a guy like that, Heath Miller. Like, Heath Miller probably was the best, one of the best blocking tight ends. And he also played with no gloves. You know how cold it get in Pittsburgh? Like, it had to be super cold for Heath to put some gloves on. But you're talking about a hard-nosed son of a gun. That, that was Heath Miller. Kittles is the same way. The same way, the same way. That's what you gotta like about the kid, man. Garoppolo got everything he need in the garage. I need a good tight end. 
I got one. I have two good receivers, possibly three. I got two for sure. I got two of them. Um, you know what? I'm thinking I need a I'm thinking I need a versatility guy. And what's that? A fullback who can play tight end. Oh, I'll call you check. I got one. <laughs> so he he got everything in a generation today where fullbacks are usually used in the offense, kind of like Chris Story. Really, the only two teams are used no more, the Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers. But to have check, a guy who can play tight end also and fullback, what a luxury that is. So I can go in a base formation, base meaning four D linemen, three linebackers, four, four DBs. So I can just go base and still use my fullback as a threat for a pass. Yes, I can do that. Because as good as linebackers are, they still don't like covering in space. That's what made Ryan Shazier so good. He played linebacker, but you could put him at safety, and he was able to cover in space. Lawrence Timmons, when he was young, coming from Florida State, he played linebacker for us, but you can put him at safety because he can cover in space. We're not saying that about too many linebackers, unless you're talking about a young Wagner. Wagner, I think now from Seattle, he's getting up in age, so it's kind of hard to see. But to have these linebackers come from inside the hashes and numbers out in space, it's hard for them to cover. And I can stay in a base formation, meaning two receivers, a tight end, a fullback, and a running back, and still use my fullback as a threat. Like I say, what a luxury. Garoppolo have on that offensive side. Support for today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family's jewels. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology. Finally, manscaping accidents are a thing of the past. Start the new year off the right way by using the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BELIEVE. That's BLEAV. In the other NFC game, the Packers beat the Seahawks. Seahawks were trailing 21 to 3, and we saw Russell Wilson very nearly carry the Seahawks to yet another comeback. And Ike, we talked about this on last week's show. The Seahawks finally, in a one-score game, they were very, very good this season. But I said their Achilles heel will be the fact that they play so many close games. You can't win them all. And I thought this was going to be one of those other games where we saw Russell Wilson just carry his team. I thought Wilson was terrific. There's a reason why he's played at an MVP caliber level this season. Again, I think Lamar Jackson's going to win it, but Russell Wilson was at that level this season and i'll say this though too the packers they got enough out of aaron jones he scored two touchdowns on the ground your guy your guy aaron jones i'll say this the seahawks limited jones to only 62 yards rushing but aaron Rodgers was able to connect with Devontae adams eight catches 160 yards and two touchdowns they have a special connection and i'll say this too about adams when he surpasses 100 yards receiving the Packers are 5-1. and one. So if they can establish those two guys against the 49ers, I think that that's going to be a key 
in the NFC Championship game. See, what, what the Packers did with Devontae Adams, they didn't just line him up at the X and the Z. So the X is, the X is to the left of the offense, wide out receiver. The Z is to the right of the offense, wide out receiver, the widest receiver. They also line him up in the slot. So now we can line Devontae Adams up at the X, the Z, and the slot. And that's what they did this game. They lined them up all over. So they did funky routes. They did cover three beaters. Uh, Seattle likes to run a lot of cover three, and cover three is his own coverage. Uh, four under three deep, meaning all four of the linebackers will have between 10 yards, 10 to 12 yards to cover a area. The safety got a deep middle post. The corner got deep thirds on both sides. And to see them dissect that defense and not worry about Jadavion Clowney and company getting to Aaron Rodgers, it, it was good to see him and Adams connect time in and time out. Aaron Jones, on the other hand, he's your Swiss army knife running back. He can do it all. It just depends on what you give him. If you're going to give him running lanes, he can rush for 100 some yards. If he needs to come out the backfield and receive the ball, he can also do that. Just depend on what you give him. And Aaron Rodgers knows that with that running back. Like, he's not a big running back. We're not going to ask him to carry the load 30 times. But if he wind up hitting the seam out of 20, he can take it to the house. If I like the matchup on him and in a, in a, in the outside linebacker coming outside for this receiver, I'm going to throw the ball to Aaron Jones. And that's what you got to like between those two. Aaron Rodgers talked about Aaron Jones earlier this year, and we're starting to see why. Um, I was watching Aaron Jones last year, him coming to his own, and I'm starting to see why. When you got a guy at the running back position who can also play receiver, and still, here we go with this base formation, still stay in base formation and make a, and make a linebacker come outside his comfort zone and cover him, that's another threat. Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers. You get the Smith brothers. In free agency, and you hit gold. Yeah, Zadarius and Preston Smith, the two linebackers. Both of them. Because you get two alphas that, yeah, you get two alphas who just control the locker room. And you can just see, now they're starting to wake up on defense. So uh, Aaron Rodgers said this earlier, you know, now I kind of understand what it is to have a good defense, even though, I felt like he had a good defense when they beat us in the Super Bowl when Charles Woodson and Nick Collins and them boys. I felt like they and Clay Matthews was on the road. I feel like they still had a good defense. Like we we acting like they never had a good defense when he was starting at the quarterback position. They had a good defense, but he haven't had a a defense since then. That was two thousand and nine, ten. Now he's back. Now they're back ten years later with the defense he had once had when he was younger. Russell Wilson. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson being the trucks. Man, Russell Wilson, back started to hurt. When I've been carrying this team for 16, 16 games, man, my back getting to hurt. All these weights I'm lifting, my back still hurt. I'm so say just a figure of speech. And it just got to a point where his truck just ran out of gas. You know, Mark, that's all that was. As much as of a truck, as much of diesel fuel, that Russell Wilson been pumping these this whole regular season and 
a game or two into the playoffs, he just ran out of gas. You know, he don't have the Aaron Jones luxury. He don't have the Devontae, even though Metcalf is pretty good, but he's still young. He don't have the Devontae Adams luxury. He don't have the Smith brothers luxury. Like, he don't have them luxuries, you know? So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a dually truck, but, <laughs> you know, my seats are, it's a night, it's, it's a 2017 dually truck, but my seats are 1960s. Man, my back get to hurt. You know, right now Aaron Rodgers working with a 2017 truck, but he got he got Range Rover interior. <laughs> you feel me? So it's a little bit different when you sit in that truck and your interior is different. Uh, that might be my favorite analogy you've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I just try to paint that picture, bro. Uh, no, you're right though. You're right though. And I mean, kudos to the Seahawks. They were down 21 right. to three at the half and to make it a one score game again we talked about how the Seahawks typically prevailed this year in one score games but not able to do it against Green Bay and now Green Bay will travel to San Francisco for the NFC championship game and whether that Packers defense can stop this 49ers rushing attack is going to be the key for me 49ers had the second best rushing offense in the NFL and the 49ers have a defense that held Dalvin Cook, one of the NFL's best running backs, to 18 yards rushing. So the keys for me in the NFC Championship game are this. Can the 49ers establish their running game, control the clock, control the game, and then how does their defense fare against the Packers' key skill position players, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams? Yeah, I'm taking San Fran. I got San Fran going. Me too. Yeah, I'm taking San Fran. So it's just... Like, like I said, San Fran can play whatever kind of ball you want to play. You know, if you want to play finesse ball, we can play it on offense. Our defense is going to always be smash mouth. But on offense, if you want to play finesse, we can, I can put up 48 points if, if my coach really wants me to. Or I can just hold the ball and hand the ball off and control the clock and let my defense really breathe down your neck. That's just the luxury San Fran has. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to win this game. He, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to have historical in Dallas run left throw left kind of games to my tight end kind of game you know it's just they defensive line is too much and I'm saying San Fran defensive line it's a whole lot and you can just tell they another team that's just taking on their defense coordinator personality he's a no nonsense I don't give a you know what hit him in the face guy and that's exactly how their defense play. No nonsense. Let's get to the quarterback. Whoever got the ball, let's hit him in the face. <laughs> kind of attitude. So I got San Fran in this one. Yeah, you got Bosa. And then, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing some redemption for D Ford, a Pro Bowl player for the 49ers. And mm-hmm. after last season, the AFC Championship game, when he was playing for the Chiefs and he lined up offsides, the Chiefs picked off Tom Brady, but the play was called back because he was, in fact, offsides. You want to see a guy like that get redemption, especially a guy who's as good a player as he is. And when you see stuff where it's like this guy's getting death threats, it's like this is entertainment. That's stupid. And it's like he made a mistake, and it really it did it cost his team. But to see a guy like that potentially get redemption and you know now a game away from playing for the Super Bowl, I would like to see D Ford get some redemption. It's crazy because now D Ford will get his chance of redemption. And now the chiefs again in the AFC championship game, 
back-to-back seasons. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's crazy how fans, you know, fans take a lot of things personal, you know. And as a player, I just try to tell fans, man, picture me coming into your job and asking for your head and for you to get fired. I don't think you'll like that. But it's all good. That's why fans are fans. So it just comes with the territory when you're a professional athlete. But um, it's good to see D4 back, get opportunity. And it's also good to see, you know, Coach Andy Reid get over that hump again to hopefully stay this case. You know, hopefully he can get to the Super Bowl and win one. If it's KC and San Fran in the Super Bowl, that's going to be a heck of a game. You know, that's going to be a heck of a game. i tell you this. KC, San Fran, the Super Bowl, San Fran winning the whole thing. San Fran over anybody, San Fran winning the whole thing. That's just how I feel about San Fran. I think San Fran is going to win the Super Bowl this year. I do like San Fran in the NFC Championship game. I like the Chiefs over the Titans. I think the key in that one is, is Derrick Henry going to continue his historic performance this postseason? Is he going to continue to do what's never been done before? The Titans are 8-0 in the regular season and playoffs when Henry rushes for 100 yards or more, and he is great with yak. That's yards after contact, first in the league as well. Can Derrick Henry continue something that's never been done in the history of the league? Against the Kansas City Chiefs defense, yes. Against the San Francisco 49ers defense, no. But against the Kansas City Chiefs defense, let's not forget, KC defense has been playing real well, but they're still not run stoppers. And that's why they got Terrell Suggs. Yeah, and I agree 100% with that. But at the same time, they're used to playing ahead also as well. And don't forget that stat you just made. Houston just was 4.4 per carry before they wanted to out have a shootout with the quarterbacks. So... Yeah, I see what you're saying, but when you're always ahead, I can have these defensive specialists pin my ears back and go get the quarterback. Now, I got to hit a guy who's 6'5", 247. They don't come around too often. So Mike Vabel, he's looking at that same stat you just said, Marky Mark, that 4.4. Oh, y'all know what our game plan is. And I know y'all going to come out in the first quarter Y'all going to be rah-rah. Y'all going to be talking smack. We're going to save that same talk at the end of the third quarter. If y'all got that same talk on defense <laughs> at the end of the third, because King Henry, he built just like a king, 6'5", 247. So you like the Titans over the Chiefs? I like the Titans over the Chiefs. That's where we differ. I like the Chiefs over the Titans. I, w- I do agree with you. I think it's San Francisco's Super Bowl to lose just based on how they've played throughout the course of this entire season and how impressive they looked in their first playoff game. For 2019 season, the playoffs has been everything and more as you can watch. And let's just say period. From college football to college playoffs to the national championship game to the NFL wild card to this AFC and NFC divisional games, football has been everything. Everything, Mark. I'm proud to say I'm a football fan. Ike, yeah. These playoffs have just been awesome to watch. What we said last week, I wanted the divisional round to be just as exciting as the wildcard games, and I think we got that. And we'll see how it all unfolds. I want to give a quick shout-out to both the sponsors and the listeners of the Believe in Steelers podcasts. Thank you so much for listening each week, and you can – Listen to this show, the Believe in Steelers podcast with Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen on iTunes, 
Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Luminary, iHeart, and TuneIn. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Your feedback helps us. Appreciate all the viewers. Appreciate the sponsors. Appreciate y'all sponsoring me and Market Mark. The viewers, appreciate y'all listening. If y'all just continue to listen, y'all will continue to learn. Thanks for giving us time. Sponsors, thanks for giving us, you know, a chance. So just want to thank everybody for listening to the Believe and Steelers podcast with Mark and I. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.